I say unto you, welcome. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. All right, which one of you cutthroats done shot the boss in the gizzard? And I tell you, I got a dumb dog too, my dog. We call him Egypt. Every room he leaves a pyramid. Now, kiss my grand. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. I know what you're thinking, punk. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Now, were you or were you not on the night of June the 13th in Mrs. Throttlebottom's chicken coop? Certainly not. I was in the house. What house? The dog house. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move up. Before we start, I'd like to say something. Reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. Got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lunnan. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there. Who is he? Where's he coming from? It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy. Uh, Doing a solo episode today. Uh, John and I both have just been really, really busy, and, and it's been hard for us to sync up and, and do some episodes. We're going to get an episode. We still owe you uh, a classic album review of U2's Unforgettable Fire, so that's coming up. But one thing I'm going to try to do is post more frequently with just some some kind of roundups, what I'm calling a rock and roll roundup. This will be our first rock and roll roundup where I just want to talk about some things that are in the news and uh, just a chance for us to to get together uh, a little more often. Um, also, just let me give you a heads up right at the beginning. We do have a Patreon. If you like listening to the podcast, uh, by all means, check out our Patreon. And for as little as $3 a month, you can be a patron and and help us proliferate the message. So if, if that's something you'd like to do, that would be wonderful. And also, please follow us on Twitter. We're up to, uh, gosh, over 21,000 followers, and we'd love to have you as one of our followers on Twitter as well. So a number of things I want to get to uh, today in our little rock and roll roundup. The first one, on Friday the 28th, we lost one of the legends of rock and roll when Jerry Lee Lewis passed away at the age of 87, known as the killer. Jerry Lee Lewis, of course, uh, famous for getting his start at Sun Records, along with the likes of Elvis and Roy Orbison and others. Famous for songs like Great Balls of Fire, a whole lot of shaking going on. I remember I had a, a Dick Clark's 25 years of rock and roll double album set. I don't even, I think I stole it from one of my sisters. She got it for Christmas and didn't really listen to it. I played the crap out of it and it came out in like 1975. 
And so by then, when they were saying 25 years of rock and roll, they were counting from 1950. But I digress. But there was a whole lot of shaking was on that album. And I played the heck out of that song. Jerry Lee Lewis, known for his flamboyant stage show, uh, his mom sent him to a, a Bible college and he only <laughs> lasted a little while there. Uh, because he was a big fan of the rock and roll and the R and B and, and that just didn't gel with the, uh, with the Bible college. And he had, you know, a, a few major hits in the, in the mid to late fifties. I already mentioned great balls of fire, whole lot of shaking going on, but he was kind of a, a controversial figure. Uh, he was married seven times over his life lifetime his third wife myra was 13 years old and also his first cousin and once that news broke he was kind of a pariah in the media and and he really struggled after that he eventually had some success kind of uh, later in the 70s late 60s and 70s uh going to more country track but his rock and roll career was really kind of torpedoed when he married a 13-year-old. So there's a lesson for you. Another big news item that's been going on for the last week, and in fact, this has been a rumor, gosh, probably for a month. We've been seeing headlines about this. But finally, we have confirmation that former Marilyn Manson guitarist John Five will in fact be replacing Mick Mars as the touring guitarist in Motley Crue. Now, according to a release from the band, Mick is still a member of Motley Crue, but he will not tour with them. And so John Five will now be their touring guitarist. Again, this is after weeks, a few weeks of there being rumors of this being the case. Now, Mick, who's about 10 years older than the rest of the guys in Motley Crue, he has uh, suffered for the last, gosh, two or three decades with ankylosing spondylitis. Not sure I'm pronouncing that correct, but that is a, uh, a condition that makes it very hard for him to stand, for him to handle the rigors of touring. And so he is stepping aside as the live guitarist, the touring guitarist for Motley Crue, and will be replaced by John Five. Nikki Six, who's kind of the leader of the band, you know, I think he's probably the, the primary writer. To quote him, he says that John Five clicks several of the boxes or all the boxes that they would need for the band. And I'm not a fan of Marilyn Manson, never was a fan of Marilyn Manson. I am a big fan of John five. If you've ever seen him on YouTube performances, interviews, he just seems like a cool guy. Great guitar player has a lot of respect for rock and roll. So I think, I think he'll be great. I don't say this to be snarky, I really think he's way overqualified. That's not a slam against Mick. 
I guess you could take it as a slam against <laughs> the other guys in Motley Crue, but but John Five really talented. Mick Mars was really talented. Mick to me was the he was the coolest person in Motley Crue. Nicky Six will tell you himself he's not the best bass player in the world. Tommy Lee, uh, well Vince Neil, he's kind of he was never the best vocalist. But he's had a lot of struggles over the last few years. I'm sure he's a great guy, but this most recent stadium tour with Def Leppard and Poison, we've all seen the footage of Vince Neil. So let's just say John Five is overly qualified and checks way more than all the boxes <laughs> in terms of being prepared to fill in for Mick Mars. We wish Mick well as he you know deals with this condition that that has uh, plagued him for years and years so good luck to John 5 and good luck to Motley Crue they've already announced there will be another tour with Def Leppard coming up so that will be interesting hey when we come back a few more items i want to get to in the roundup including a brand new album that you need to check out all that on the way on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. It's the Rock and Roll Roundup. The basement can be a lonely place. Yet, at the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, the basement is all that Jeremy and John have. Their wives don't want them geeking out on classic rock in the living room. Can you blame them? But you can help. For as little as $3 a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. Join today and end the cycle. Visit patreon.com slash classic guitar rock they'll still be in the basement but at least it's not your basement hello is anyone in here the classic guitar rock podcast please like subscribe and share Hey, welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. It's Jeremy with the Rock and Roll Roundup today. Uh, another item that's been brewing and bubbling and, and festering, gosh, for the last year or so. I've, I've been seeing things about this. It all started over a year ago when we saw the news about Ross Valerie and Steve Smith legal wrangling with Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane of Journey and and Ross and Steve were ultimately fired from the band. Well, news popped up here in the last couple weeks that Steve Perry has now uh, started some legal proceedings against Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane also. And this has to do with Oh gosh, trademark things and all kinds of quote. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I'm, I'm actually on the WCSX Detroit's Classic Rock website. This is an article from Eric Bonyas, who's their rock music reporter. 
He says the Steve Perry journey legal drama continues with Neil Sean taking to an Instagram comment section to go off about it all. As previously reported, Perry filed a petition against his former bandmates Sean and Jonathan Kane over trademark registrations of 20 popular Journey songs. Perry alleges uh, that they didn't have the legal grounds to file for trademarks. He also claims he should have been notified of the registrations per a previous legal agreement relating to various Journey compositions that were created when Perry was still in the band. Can you think of anything less rock and roll than legal proceedings? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing that's going on. I mean, it's Journey. It could be Queen's Reich. It could be Rat. How many times have we seen our favorite bands devolve down into these legal uh, machinations? Following the news of Perry's petition, Sean took to Facebook and alleged Perry was involved uh, in an attempt or in an attempted takeover of Nightmare Productions, Inc., one of Journey's corporate entities, along with bassist Ross Valerie, drummer Steve Smith, and former Journey manager Herbie Herbert. So, yeah, it's not good. Uh, let me quote Sean, Neil Sean directly, who's a follower of the podcast, by the way. So we're, we're going to try and get Neil on at some point. Neil says, quote, 31 years later, when he left for the last time, as there were many before that, he's referring to Perry here, he he was at the board of directors meetings as no one thought I was there, but while being represented by, by my attorney, I was there listening on the line. So it's not true that he was only there through proxy. His voice was heard by myself and all that attended voting me off the board along with Jonathan Kane. So so we've got this legal entity which includes Steve Perry, Ross Valerie and Steve Smith who are trying to vote Jonathan Kane and Neil Sean off the board. So it's a big stinking mess. And without getting into the whole history, you know, the whole reason that uh, that journey continued without Steve Perry is he didn't want to tour. And it started out with a back injury that he said he just couldn't tour, but he wouldn't do anything about it, right? And and according to Neil and Jonathan, they gave him years to take care of this issue because, you know, Journey was a going concern. They wanted to go out and make records and make money, and and Steve just wasn't able to or or wasn't willing to do that. And then we saw a succession of new lead singers, all of them very talented. But I mean, hey, there's only one Steve Perry, right? And that's, that's where we are now. So there's still this legal wrangling. If you were to ask the fans, they'd probably all say, Oh, I'd love to see Steve Perry come back. It doesn't look like that will ever happen. I don't think he wants to. I'm not sure the other guys want him to based on the, all the stuff. I got to tell you, I saw Journey in 2016 with Arnell. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm just being honest. I like the show better in 2016 than when I saw them on the Frontiers tour. Just saying. I'm not saying Arnell's better. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying still a great live band to see and Arnell does a great job. So just going to throw that out there. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Journey. Now, before we talk about this next story, just an observation. 
there is a proliferation of classic rock media, much of it in the way of podcasts like this one. And we're not a big podcast. Well, we're in the top, we're in the top 2% of podcasts worldwide, but still not, not a big podcast by any means. Because of that, because there are so many outlets and so many places that classic rock artists can talk and be interviewed, uh, much of the classic rock media is just regurgitating anything that is said anywhere. Uh, it becomes a headline. And, and now I'm guilty of doing this exact thing. But I do want to share this because I think this is interesting. Michael Sweet of Striper stirred up a little controversy when he said that he believes Striper deserves a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as much as any other band. You can debate that back and forth. You know my feelings on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a complete joke. I think Striper is far more deserving than many of the bands that are in there. Do they need to be in there just as much as any other? I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, but keep in mind, I was going to say, does Striper need to be in there as much as Deep Purple? Well, <laughs> before I said that, I just had to remember Deep Purple just got in there a few years ago. It's ridiculous. That's why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a piece of crap. Completely. It's, it's a joke. It's garbage. But anyways, Michael Sweet made this statement. I don't know. It's debatable. Do, do, do they need to, do they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, they deserve to be in there more than many of the artists that that are in there. Now, if it was an actual rock and roll Hall of Fame, do they deserve to be in there? I don't know. I don't know. And and I like, don't get me wrong, I like Striper. In terms of talent, they're awesome. Great guitar playing, great singing. Here's the problem with Striper. I personally do not have a problem with this. Many folks do not like the, the, you know, wearing the, the Christianity on their sleeve. I mean, they're a Christian rock band, right? And a lot of folks have a problem with that. And I think they let their feelings about Christianity or, or religion or whatever color their view of Striper as a band because really they're a, they're a good band. And if you put them up against the hair metal bands of the day, Talent-wise, they're at the top, right? Now, you might quibble with their lyrics. They're not cool because they're not singing about, you know, normal rock and roll stuff. But in terms of, of sheer talent, they absolutely are good enough to be in there. So just kind of interesting to see. And I'm sure that Michael wasn't expecting there to be this brouhaha because he just said, we deserve to be in there as much as any band. Well, a lot of people just have unloaded on him in, in various posts that I see. Personally, I like Michael. I, I think Striper is a good band. Not sure they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as much as any band, but definitely more than many that are in there. So just kind of interesting. Every time you see an interview with Michael, he seems like a good guy. The band still sounds really good live. So more power to them, right? And and maybe they'll be in there someday. We'll see. Okay, another thing I want to talk about. You guys know that I am a big Michael Shanker fan. 
this current tour that he's on right now, I have not seen it live, but I have seen clips from several places. And this is one of the great things about the interwebs, right? About the internets. Man, we can all see video of things. It's just really cool. It's a great time to be a fan. Plus, you know, if you don't want to pay 150 bucks for a concert tickets, right? You can see videos. But I've seen several videos posted of the current Michael Schenker tour. Schenker is playing better than he's played in two decades. You know, three decades, maybe. I don't know. You know, in the 90s, it was a dark time. Man, the 90s, early 2000s, Michael was struggling with some things. He seems to have those under control, and he sounds really good. His band sounds really good. Ronnie Romero, his lead vocalist, sounds really good. And Ronnie Romero, by the way, is is involved in like six different bands simultaneously. So you could go find him on on probably six or seven albums right now that he's done in the last year. But the dude can sing. Uh, it's good. So this is my plug. If the Michael Shanker group comes to your area, do yourself a favor and and go see it because it it looks and sounds really good. And Shanker's playing better, looks better. He dresses kind of weird, but uh, I think I think he he sounds and looks better than he has in a long time. And and everything I've heard about the current tour has been positive. So just throw that out there if you have an opportunity to see Shanker and his band, uh, go do it. Lastly, I told you guys I wanted to share a new album with you. Uh, this is a band out of Belfast, Ireland. And if you go to the YouTube channel, we actually have a review of their first album. Well, they just released their second album. The, the band is called Wild Heat. Uh, the new album is called Hustle. And guys, this is a fun album. This is a great album. If you're a fan of the, the hard rock of the eighties, I don't want to say hair metal because it's a little more, you know how there were, there were the fluffy hair metal bands like Poison, right? But then there were hair metal bands that had a little more hair. <laughs> Pardon the pun. They were a little more rocking, you know, like, uh, you know, Skid Row. Skid Row had a little more edge than the typical hair metal band of the 80s. Wild Heat, to me, is more like that. I mean, they got the great catchy vocals and harmonies, but a little edgier than than some of the hair hair bands, you know, the, the butt rock bands that we all refer to. But this album, again, it's called Hustle by Wild Heat. It's streaming now. It's a really good album from start to finish. If you are a fan of the hard rock of the 80s, check out this album. They're from Belfast. Here's a description from their website. It says, Wild Heat are a high-energy hard rock band from Belfast. Their radio-ready fusion of classic AOR and 80s metal draws you in with explosive riffs and catchy hooks. And that's the thing, man. Hooks for days. Great hooks. Yeah. But every listen will reveal more of the intricate melodies layered over pounding beats and driving bass lines. The result is a feel good sound guaranteed to put a smile on your face. It features on lead guitar Carlos Gaudian, 
Vocals, Tommy Weiss, who's a great singer, by the way. Rhythm guitar, Dave Zane. Bass, Neil Fowler. Drums, Constantine G. So, uh, and then they say for fans of LA Guns, Skid Row, Motley Crue, etc. If you are a fan of that 80s metal slash hard rock, do yourself a favor right now and go out and check out Hustle. It's the latest album from Wild Heat. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Like I said, I'm going to try and do this more often, just some more updates. Uh, John and I will be back in the next week or two with the classic album review of U2's Unforgettable Fire. In the meantime, you can email us or check out the website, classicguitarrock.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetly. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.